Hello and welcome to the Pick and Drive Rugby Podcast. I'm your host, Mitch Foster, and I'm joined by my co-host, Ando Anderson. Hello. Episode 26 this week, the Brumbies secure the final. So who we are, what we do? We're two diehard rugby fans having a weekly chat about all things Aussie rugby. Real, family-friendly, and positive. Get involved. Get involved. Oh, yeah. Now, Ando, did you get to watch some of the rugby action over the weekend? Yeah, mate. Caught both games. So, didn't catch them live, but I have watched them in full. So, yeah. Yeah, they were pretty entertaining games, to be honest. They were. They're very good games. It was a good round of rugby this weekend. I was happily impressed with the force. I mean, I know we're going to go into the games in a bit of detail, but there was every possibility that the force could have another repeat of what happened against the Reds. And it was just wonderful to see the kind of pride and the strength of what is realistically a bit of a journeyman squad Mm. come together and put in a really, a really strong performance in many aspects um, against the Brumbies. So big credit to them. Yeah, no, it was good. It's good. Um, We'll get into the chat and talk about it, but um. It was a good weekend of rugby. So I got to go out to this, the Waratahs, well, technically the Rebels game out at Leichhardt Oval on Saturday night. So that was awesome to be at. Mm-hmm. And then watched the Brumbies game and also watched the Shoot Shield game this week. So I've had a good weekend of rugby. So <laughs> It's a good weekend overall. Which Shoot Shield game did you catch? It was Warringah and Eastwood. Who got up? Eastwood just pipped it. At, well, Warringah came back, but they, Eastwood ended up securing the win by two points. Wow, tight, yeah. tight, tight, tight. Well, um, guys, if you want to hit us up on social media, we have Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. So Insta is hashtag pick underscore drive underscore rugby. Facebook is pick and drive rugby podcast with Twitter at pick underscore drive rugby. So yeah, get in touch with us there. We love to chat, love to reply. And um, thanks to everybody who does get in touch. Yeah, get involved. Um, we'd love to hear from you all. And if you put your uh, your predictions up for the week, We'll also give you a shout out on the pod. So definitely get around that. Well, mate, what are we doing tonight? So we will start off with some spicy news. Do a quick jump through of those. And then we'll uh, dive into round nine of the Super Rugby AU tournament. Awesome. Awesome. Shall we jump on into our spicy news then? Sounds good. Let's get into it. Let's go. All right. For the first part of this evening's pod, we have our spicy, spicy news, which we're splitting up into domestic and international. Now, starting with the hot news of the week, Michael Hooper is indeed taking a sabbatical for the first six months of 2021. He is going to be joining Sir Steve Hansen and Kieran Reid and Cliffy Palu over at Toyota the Blitz in the top league. So, in Japan. Mitchell, thoughts? Sorry, in Japan, yeah. So, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not too surprised. We, uh, for those eager fans that listen to us every week, <laughs> might know that a few weeks ago, I think it was about three episodes back now, we teased that there was talks of a Super Rug, a Waratahs leader going over overseas for a little bit of a sabbatical. So, we've... We've teased yeah, it. we had this one actually for a while, but it was a bit in confidence, so we couldn't actually say too much about it at the time. But yeah, we found out about it about a month ago. Yeah, so that's um, I think it's a good thing. I'm not too mm. upset about it. Uh, there's been a bit of media around this, both positive and negative. I think that Hooper needs a break. I think next year's the perfect time for him to take that break not being a World Cup year and just basically the year that we've had this year. Who knows if we're going to get any international rugby. So, yeah, I mean, I'm hoping that he takes this time off to reinvigorate his career, reignite his love for the game, and then come back and really just stick it um, to the opposition for the next few years and until we get to the next World Cup. And who knows what will happen for him after that. I think so. I think everything you've said is right on the money. And you also got to factor in uh, the fact that he took a gigantic, gigantic pay cut in the negotiations that Rupert um, made with uh, the ARU. So he supposedly, according to one article, sacrificed roughly two thirds of his 1.2 million per year salary. So this is, and this was a part of the negotiations, top players like um, Hooper, Tamua, it would have been Isaac Rodder as well, Dane Hale Petty, do have the opportunity to take up a sabbatical to try and make up for the lost money. So for them, yeah, I think it's really, a, I think for Hooper, it's a fantastic thing. Um, there, there, there's some talk around how he might struggle to get back into Wallabies when he returns with players like Fraser McWright, who's had what, 
six games of Super Rugby are going to be keeping him out of the Wallaby squad. Obviously, I've just put my thoughts on that <laughs> out on the table. What are your general opinions about people like Fraser McRide holding Hooper back when he returns? Oh, I think it's garbage. In my yep. opinion, it's garbage. Look, um, Hooper's going for six, five to six months at the beginning of next year, the Super Rugby um, Australia portion of the year. He's not going to miss any Test Rugby. So these guys aren't going to be selected above Hooper now at the end of the year. I don't think. Um, I don't think they're good enough at the moment to be pushing Hooper out. So they're not actually going to be getting a chance to play for the Wallabies when Hooper's not there to sort of cement their spot. So I just don't see it happening. I also don't see the players getting enough of a continuity of performances over a long time period to warrant removing Hooper. Like you cannot deny Hooper's high class efforts, both at a Super Rugby level and international level over such a hugely extended time period and you need to have players that can be as consistent as he can at that top level to warrant pushing him out and I just don't see any newbie being good enough to like if they they obviously can't have that body of work because they're so fresh but they're also just not good enough to be able to push him out because he's not only consistent but he's also a top quality player as well and we'll get into how good he was when we actually speak about the Rebels Waratahs game later on. Um, now the, if we just mention a couple of other points, um, we had a really exciting referee story from the weekend. Why don't you touch on that? Yeah, so uh, for the first time in Super Rugby history, uh, we had an, a female referee officiating a Super Woo! Rugby game, which is go, awesome. Go, go. So Amy Perrett from New South Wales refereed the game between the Brumbies and the Western Force down in Canberra, and she did a really, really good job. She did. She very much did. Now, you yourself are a ref um do you want to comment a little bit more upon how she went yeah i mean i i was really impressed with her communication i thought she uh she she gave it to the guys a few times which was awesome <laughs> there was a few points throughout the game where little sort of not niggles but little jabs were sort of made to her and a less experienced referee would probably be quite intimidated by one of the super rugby players sort of telling them that and she just fired straight back so there was one point where I think it was the Brumbies forwards couldn't hear a call or something in the scrum. And so they said, we can't hear you. And she goes, yep, that's fine. I'll try and speak up. I'll be louder, but you need to stop talking as over me as well. And I was like, yeah, well done. And that was in like the yeah, first 15 nice. minutes of the game. And Good. then later on, there was a try that the Brumbies scored and one of the Western force players went to the ref and was like, you got in my way. And she's like, I need to stand somewhere. I'm sorry that I was in your way, but I need to stand somewhere. And no, and that, that was, again, that was awesome because you would be like, oh, sorry, I was in the wrong spot. No, you've got to stand your ground. And she did really well. Yeah, I think she did really well. I mean, it's an interesting one because she's inevitably going to be getting compared and judged. But overall, I think from an officiating point of view, she did relatively well. Um, the only howler of that game, which we're going to get into more, was actually down to Angus Gardner um, for Meeks's uh, No, that's, that was the second game. Oh, that's the second game. Sorry, yeah, she mate. was, yeah, she was the on the game. touch. She was, yeah, she was on touch for that one. That was one thing I do um, want to mention, and we will get into that later, but Angus yeah. Gardner is just, I don't know what's happened to him, but he's just off the boiler at the moment. This game yeah. was very yeah. much Amy Perrett's to control, and she was controlling yeah. it, but Angus 100%. Gardner was chirping yep. in every chance that he could. And it was like, dude, just back off and let her ref the game. Like, he would yep. come in when she was sending stuff up to the TMO and tell her what to say. Mm. And it was like, she knows what she's asking for back off yeah i think what we'll find is more and more she'll just grow with confidence and her little team not her little team the team of super rugby referees will also <laughs> gain growing confidence together um as they learn how this new relational dynamic works or professional yeah dynamic works with her in the middle as opposed to amy as a um assistant referee so yeah i'm looking forward to it go you keep it up and i just really hope that it kind of inspires um, other young yeah. referees and young rugby players, well, females, obviously, to recognise 
realize that, hey, there is an opportunity for female referees at the top levels. So keep going. It's fantastic. So quick two pieces of news. I don't think we need to touch on a huge amount. Um, Victoria has provided some, well, the state government of Victoria has provided some funding for a state rugby union centre at La Trobe University to the tune of $1.5 million, which is going to be really, really beneficial. Um, There are a whole bunch of rugby programs that base themselves at La Trobe University. So it's a really good thing to have that boost of funding but also you have the rebels re-signing some really key front row players so they've got Pony Farmasili, Cameron Orr and Jordan Ulesi who yeah who have all re-signed to keep them at the rebels beyond the 2020 season which is fantastic um we also had Tom Horton as well at the Waratahs re-signed for a couple of years and I think there were some other readings that I saw as well but I can't call them off the top of my head yeah anything um, you want to say to that um I think it's quite interesting if we just point go back to that Victoria um, point that it's another university that's backing up and helping support um, the super rugby side. So this is the third one now. So the Waratahs mm-hmm. are based out of the university of New South Wales. Now yep. uh, Victoria is based out of La Trobe and the Brumbies are based out of university of Canberra. So all of their headquarters are on, uh, on university grounds and they train there and they base themselves there. I just think it's quite an interesting little thing there. I think what they're probably doing is getting a whole bunch of free physiotherapy based on like, <laughs> physiotherapy master students, or um, they also don't have to pay for the full costs of um, facilities and that type of thing if they're sharing it with the university. Yeah, no, I mean, it makes it, a lot of sense because they're only using it for certain parts of the year. Yeah, yeah. It's oh, I mean, um, okay. Yeah. Oh, you go, yeah. you go. I was going to say they do have their head offices based there. Like I, I have been down to yeah. the head office in Canberra and that's used year round because that's the Brumbies head yeah. office and the Waratahs yeah. will be based out at the university of New South Wales. So yeah, that kind of thing. But yeah, let's move on. Yeah. Let's head up the international side of things. So oh, before, we pretty... do, before we move on to ooh, international, ooh, ooh. there is one thing I wanted to say about the domestic side of things. And that has been that the super super Saturday, which is coming up this weekend, which see was meant to have two games of rugby played. Uh, is now going to have three, and they've changed some of the um, the timings around. So yeah, yeah. This is so cool. um, New Zealand is now playing their North versus South game on Saturday. So what that has meant that the Western Force and Rebels game has been pushed forward to be played at three o'clock. Then that will finish in time for the North versus South game in New Zealand to go ahead, and then the Reds will host the Brumbies at seven o'clock. So we've got three really good cracker games <laughs> on Saturday. Um, which is going to be awesome. Wow. Too bad the Waratahs aren't playing. But yeah, I mean, it looks like you're going to be sat on the couch from two o'clock. <laughs> you might be sat on the couch, my <laughs> friend. Uh, I very much doubt I'll get a hall pass to be able to do that. But hey, we'll get, I'll get some of the rugby in anyway. So now that we're moving on to the international side of things, the, there's some really big news coming out of Europe where the six nations, which have been expanded to include Japan, and I'm pretty sure the other one's Fiji. Is that Yep, that's correct. Correct. Yep. yep. So Japan have actually pulled out of the competition because of a number of concerns, but basically of COVID travel restriction impacting the squad, impacting the coaching availability and blah, blah, blah. So instead, the news coming out today is that South Africa are going to be joining the eight nations for 2020. And a number of Pro 14 coaches have come out and supported overall South African expansion into the Pro 14. Now, I'm assuming people know mostly, but Pro 14 is the European competition of like Ireland, Wales, Scotland, etc. And they already have the cheetahs and the from South Africa in there. This would have the Super Rugby South African teams jump into the Pro 14, which would be expanded, and the number would therefore increase. But the cheetahs and the kings would then get kicked out and booted. Mm, much not necessarily. Like they were from... Yeah, I know, because there's the issues around the cheetahs. um, Yeah, I was going to say, did you read the article? (laughs) Yeah, 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 I did. So it's it's an interesting one. Um, The cheetahs have signed a contractually obligated to be playing for a certain amount of time, and it could result in some really significant legal action if they were booted from the competition. Um, But that is, I mean, obviously this isn't definitely happening. It's just pro 14 coaches coming out and saying that. But it's fascinating that they are saying this as the news about South Africa. Africa joining the eight nations for this year is coming out as well. So it seems to be showing some what is really pretty inevitable. Also considering the fact that we, within the whole discussion of what Super Rugby will look like next year, haven't considered South Africa at all. 
it's always been about a trans-Tasman competition and um, South Africa haven't come into the equation at all. So it seems like they're making their move and are looking to head north, much like people have been predicting for the last couple of years. Yeah, I mean, I can't say I'm surprised. The one thing I am surprised at is that they're going this year. That was mm. That's big news because we have all been assuming that there was going to be a rugby championships played in New Zealand or somewhere in the Southern Hemisphere in the later half of this year, in the next few months. Um, if South Africa doesn't come, that just poops all over that idea, really. What do we... Yeah, I mean, time. Argentina won't come if South Africa don't come. What are we going yep. to play then? Just a, an expanded, a really expanded Bledisloe series? I don't know. We can't even have a tri-nation. Yeah. I was initially going to say, well, why don't Japan come over? But obviously they have the issue. That's why they're not joining the eight nations. Um, so that takes that It would make a lot more sense for Japan to go to Europe than it would be to come here. Yeah, yeah. So... Um, uh, yeah, look, it's a really challenging one. And I think that just throws a lot of questions in to the mix for what the rugby championship may well look like. It may, like you said, just be an extended, expanded Bledisloe. And if that's the case, I really feel sorry for the Aussie players because I'm not <laughs> sure how well that's going to go. Um, anything else you want to say on the international side of things or should we jump on into the games? Yeah, not really. I mean, I guess we just, it does show a little bit of a hand of what we are looking at next year. So I think as we have been saying Australia and New Zealand are sort of going at it themselves. South Africa's gone. But from these reports, it really does, does seem like South Africa's already shifted their view to Europe, particularly if they're mm-hmm. going so, so quickly and so immediately. Um, and yeah, I, I just, I don't know what that ends up happening for Australia and New Zealand. If South Africa were to join the Six Nations as an ongoing thing, what do we do then? Going yeah, forward. look, I highly doubt that South Africa will join them ongoing. Um, oh, well, if they're going to move their Super I Rugby sides to be, be playing in Europe thing. anyway, why wouldn't they? Yeah, but Super Rugby isn't the same as Sansa. Um, they're not inherently linked. Oh, sorry, they're not the same as the Rugby Championship. So, obviously, you've got the different levels of Super and then International. Um, and I don't inherently see a problem with South African Super Rugby teams playing in Europe, but the national team still playing in a rugby championship format. You might have some issues with player releases um, with organizing a squad together, but I do not see the six nations expanding. I do not think those home nations will be willing to let other nations join in with what they're doing because it works so well for the European competition. But what, what the plan is for this expanded eight team competition is to be the replacement super, uh, six nations next year so it will run across into next year yeah it'll run into but that's normally the case well actually it's not normally the case um but i think this is just a temporary arrangement for this one round of possibly um, but i i I personally think that we might see that that's where south africa's heading and that they want to be playing in that consistently oh yeah look I I don't disagree with you. My point is I'm not sure if Six Nations teams will be willing for that to happen. Um, I'm not saying that South Africa doesn't want that. My point is I doubt that Six Nations will want that to happen. Um, but hey, let's wait and see because really it is just such a fluid environment at the moment because of all the travel restrictions on a global sense that we just need to find out what happens in a few months' time. That's right. Let's uh, Yeah, that, that wraps it up. So let's move into the games for the weekend. All right, let's go. So the first game of Super Rugby AU Round 9 saw the Brumbies hosting the Western Force in Canberra. This game was actually a lot tighter than I think anyone expected, particularly going off our picks from last week. So <laughs> let's, yeah. um, let's dive into those first and then we'll get into the game. So, Ando, you said Brumbies by 28. I said Brumbies by 45. Confident there uh by 45 i think i was shocked when he said it at the time yeah I know. <laughs> who knows it could have happened uh tim said brumbies by 30 mitch said brumbies by 25 and carlos said brumbies by 25 so the margin is 17 there oh who do we who gets the who gets it the lowest whoever had the lowest number so mitch and carlos both said 25 you said 28 so they're both going to share the oh, trophies for this what? one and you miss okay. out Half a Tim Tam each, boys. Half yep. a Tim Tam each. Or a kid cap. And you have to buy the chockies this round because your your tip was just so wrong. <laughs> so far oh. out. I'll, I'll take that. That's fair. 
Oh, mate, this is a really, really fascinating game. I mean, I, I mentioned it at the start of the pod that I was really happy with the way that the Western Force played. They played with grit, they played with determination, and really just a sense of pride that they weren't going to let what happened to them the week before happen again. They, yeah, they were really competitive in this game. I think it was in the 65th minute, there was six or seven points um, separating them. So they were, they were holding in there. And um, unfortunately, the Brumbies then sort of ran away with it. But yeah, no, they did really, really well to hold on for so long. I mean, really, they, the Brumbies scored fairly consistently. They've got 32, 39, 51, 65, 75. So they were fairly consistent with their, um, with their try scoring. But at the same time, it's not like they ever really, truly put them put the Western Force to the sword. It well, was I mean, just they did have three high, tries high disallowed. <laughs> yeah, they did. And if we get those tries counted, we're looking at a completely different score. I might have been the closest yep. one then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very good point. But I mean, so they were fair. So they, they were fair. Like they, there was legitimate reasons why they weren't allowed. Yeah, I agree. Um, so he had one for obstruction, one was for a knock-on, and I can't remember what the other one was for. Um, the last one who was some for, of the... um, for the mall. They detached from the mall, and it was ended yeah. up being a long reach back. Yeah, okay. Um, who were some of your standout players in this game? Kahui, again. Always, he's just playing so well for the force. He played really well. I r- was really impressed with... Um, oh, I've just had a mind blank. Um, I Ray Simone. Yep. He played really well for the for the Brumbies. He ended up captaining them at the end as well, which was unusual. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, who else? Tom Banks played quite well. Uh, not Tom Banks. Tom, um, ah, the winger. What's his name? Tom Wright. Tom Wright. I'm just having a, a, a shocker. I've just gone <laughs> blank today. Um, yeah, he played He played quite well. Um, yeah, apart, apart from that, um, the Force Forward Pack did really well to be able to withstand the Brumbies for so long. I've really liked Jeremy Thrush over the course of the whole competition. He has a bit of mongrel about him. He is fairly capable, has a big engine, is a good line-out target and a big body for trying to crash the ball up. And he's got, um, a great, you know he's he's got great facial hair. Oh, his handlebar moustache is just fantastic. Um, the thing that amazed me, though, is the age of some of the players in the force yeah. team. So particularly you've got Kahui and Thrush. They're both 35 and they were both playing out full games or close to full games. Um, And it's just a bit of a sad thing for the force that they don't have the squad depth and they require 35 year olds to be playing nearly full 80 minutes. (laughs) And that's saying nothing against Thrush or Kahui, but just when regular like 28, 29 or something year old, are finding it tough to match out, for, uh, stay out for the whole game. Expecting someone that's in their mid-30s to do that is a pretty big ask. And I'm just really looking forward to the next season, whatever it looks like, assuming the Western Force are in there. So they've got more time. Well, I mean, at the moment, the I, it does seem like we're getting the Western Force regardless. Rugby Australia has said, we'll either play with, us, with New Zealand in some kind of 10-team or 11-team competition, but Australia has five. Or we yep. play Super Rugby AU again where we've got five. So it, it doesn't look like they're going anywhere, which is great. Fantastic news. Yeah, and there's a couple of ways that I've seen people reading this on Twitter. One, one kind of perspective is that this is a bargaining tactic and that actually Rugby Australia is willing to jettison the force if required, but they're going in hard with this as their initial position. Um, yep. I hope that that is not the case. The, there's another perspective as well that's basically saying that... Um, it's Twiggy Forrest who's basically underwriting the force. So it's costing Rugby Australia absolutely nothing. Yeah. That he's just probably gone to Rugby Australia and said, you don't have to pay anything to have us in your competition. I'll cover it all. And um, I just wonder if, yeah, he's maybe through that inadvertently paying Rugby Australia to keep them in. Well, I wonder um, if, if that's the case. Has he picked up all their accommodation bills as well? Because that's mass- yeah. that must be massive. Yeah, you would think that. That'd be a huge of money. Yeah, because yeah, Rugby Australia doesn't have the money to be paying for that. Surely not. Well, they don't have the money to be paying for that either. That was the initial yeah, reason that they kind of left Super Rugby in the first place is they went bankrupt. Yeah, yeah. Well, 
Look, if we actually get back to the game, <laughs> rather than just talking around it, um, I think that what we're seeing is really just probably the extent of what the Force have been able to offer this season. They have some moments of quality, incisive attacking play, some moments, but and they have a very resolute and strong defensive structure and system generally, unless it kind of has the occasional blowout like we saw last week. Yeah, but they just don't have the depth of yeah quality or the time playing together as a squad to really compete against any of the super rugby t- like the fact that the waratahs accounted for them in both games and the waratahs were at the time the weakest of the um pre-existing super teams it just shows that the force whilst being a wonderful addition to the competition and we very much are thankful that they're here just aren't going to be challenging a team like the brumbies to realistically win that game yeah, well, I mean that's right. I think in this game, if we look at this apart from the other season, the other games this season, the difference was the Brumbies reserves. Now they had four um, Wallabies come off the bench. No other yeah. Super Rugby team has that kind of depth. They they would have matched anyone in the competition with that. That's crazy that they've got such a they've got such a good roster that they can can do that. But that I mean. This force team played really well. And if they had the ability to interchange with players that were of the consistent level to, to come on and, and, and keep the momentum going, I reckon we would have seen a diff- we could have seen a different outcome. Yeah. That for me was the biggest turning point. I think um, what we're also seeing here is some really exciting depth building across the super teams. So you've got Bailey Kunzel who's come in after Noah Alessio had his injury mm-hmm. and he had a couple of weak games to start off with as he was finding his feet, but is really um, starting to play with more confidence in the way that he's directing a team around the park. His kicking is pretty good. I mean, he's missed a few, but it's because the Brumbies keep scoring him out on the edge. Yeah. And so he's not getting any easy kicks. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so Kunzel's been playing really well. And so if you think about it, just if you only look at the fly half position, then who do we have? We've got James O'Connor, Matt Tamua, Will Harrison, Noah Lalesio. And now I'm not saying Bailey Kunzel is up there with them, but Ooh, he is that's a, a big talent. Ball. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying Hope that. So. Listen. Yeah. <laughs> um, but what I'm saying is that he is a bright prospect for the future. Yeah that probably wouldn't have been uncovered in a different competition exactly. um, if yep. we were playing the regular super. Yep. And I mean, it's, it's just really, really positive in my mind what this is doing for the opportunities for younger or less experienced players because there's not as much on the line and um, it seems like coaches are being more willing to yeah. pick and stick with inexperienced players. Yeah, well, that's a, the that's a thing. There's been so many times this super rugby au season where we've heard the commentators saying so-and-so comes on he was playing in the under 20s last year or he was australian Mm. schoolboys captain like these young blokes are getting a real crack this season and that's it's awesome and it's the perfect opportunity to blood them in super rugby because they're not going up against the crusaders or the highlanders or the the hurricanes who will that their in inadequacies will turn the game Whereas we have the ability to, to bring them in and give them that experience, which is, which is really good. It's really awesome. I think there's a lot to like about this. And even if we don't get the Trans-Tasman comp next year, then I think it's actually going to be a wonderful thing for the force just to be playing Aussie teams for another season. Yeah, um, definitely. And I, th- I, I would worry for the force if they're going over and playing in Christchurch. Um, <laughs> yeah, that'd be a bloodbath. Oh, it would be bad. Yeah. Um, so maybe it's for the best for them if it is a Super Rugby AU comp. But I guess I am off talking about the game again. Is there anything you wanted to say I about mean, the game? Like one, one of the biggest criticisms we had last week or the week before, I think it was the week before when the Waratahs played the force, was that they were making breaks and they were creating opportunities, but they weren't playing as a team. They were playing as individuals. So they were going for the miracle offload kick um, to keep the ball alive. They weren't taking the contact, which was the difference that we identified between the Waratahs and, and yeah. the Force. But this game, it's changed. They were playing more like a cohesive team and, it, and the combinations are starting to form now. So mm. that's, I think that just goes to show what we've been saying all season is they just need time together. Now give them another year if we do play Super Rugby AU next year, we, in the off-season, probably fatten up their roster a little bit. We don't have the players coming in 
right before the season starts. I mean, it's great. We've got some of the players like Kahui and Pet Cowan and, and all these guys back playing. Longbottom, Andrew Reddy. Yeah, yep. exactly. Like these, it's great to see them playing, but at the same time, it's like, you, yeah, you, you're, you're giving a lot, but there's probably a lot other better people that could be in those positions. I mean, yep. it, how good would it be to see Tatafu come back and play? <laughs> He's that played for the force incredible. in the past. Anyway, um, but what? Back to the point. Uh, I think another year with this team and getting in a little bit more experience, maybe taking some of the excess players from the established Super Rugby sides, so the the players that aren't quite making the twenty three, will really make them a bit more competitive next year. And we might even have an even tighter competition next year. Yep. I mean, if we wanted to touch on a couple of the force players that we're playing particularly. Well, I have a bit of a like a professional crush on oh, Kalesi K2. So, yeah, another one. So, he's the hooker at the um, Western Force. So, he started on the bench on the weekend because Andrew Reddy pushed him out. But he has been starting for the majority of the competition. I think he is a really underrated player. He's relatively young. He's only 25. And he plays with, with a lot of aggression and... Um, just dynamism, but he's like many of the hookers in Australian rugby. He doesn't he definitely needs to work on his throwing? He um, doesn't. And my final comment about this game is: for the love of God, please stop saying "standa." Oh yes! Just, oh yeah. my God! Just he, had, say he was running on. He came on as a replacement, and standas on. He hasn't done anything. Yeah. Stop being he so excited. It's his name. Like, like he had some really good games at the start of the comp. Good on him. Okay, cool. He's like he's a decent player, but just stop hyping him up before he even does anything and say his name like it should be said. Exactly. Anyway, anyway, that's enough on that one. Um, I'm happy to jump to the next game if you want well, to. Before we before we move off, so what this ended up meaning was that the Brumbies have secured the final. Ah, uh, yes. They yes, can't they be have. beaten. They can't be um, caught now on points. They they host the final now in Canberra, which makes it such a hard challenge for any team to come down, to go down there and try and beat them at home. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. in saying that the Reds and the Waratahs have been close this year and the, and the, um, the Rebels beat them. So it can happen. If you weren't a Tars supporter, take, take the blue colored lenses off. Okay. It's not possible. And do that. you no, just do it. So <laughs> if you were to try and suggest who out of the Reds or the Tars would have a better chance of beating the Brumbies in Canberra, who would it be and why? That's a tough one. That's a tough him. one. That's a tough one. I mean, you'd have to say that both the team that was going to beat them had to be playing at their best. Yes. Yeah. Now, you would say that you the Reds should be that team because they've got a little bit more experience together. They've got more experienced players, but they haven't beaten them this year. We, yeah, true. We came very close to beating them. I mean, so did they. They came very close to and probably from an inaccurate call, they lost the game. But that also was at home. But we smashed the Reds at home. So if the Waratahs played like they played in that Reds game, they could beat anyone. I don't yeah, know. I, 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 can't, I can't say. I, I'd have to probably oh, go. I'd have on. to go with the Reds. I'd have to go with the Reds. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm thinking. And my reasoning is a little bit simpler in that I think they have the forward pack that's better able to um, combat the Brumbies forward pack. Um, particularly if it was a wet night down in Canberra as well. So cold and wet, I would prefer the, four, prefer the Reds rather than the Waratahs. Um, I just don't think the Waratahs play well when it's not top condition. So do you, um, are you writing off the Rebels completely then? I No, no, I'm not. It was just out of... I was just thinking of those two. Teams. Um, yeah, I don't know. Why did I think of the Rebels? I mean, I Because they beat them, them highly to begin in with. A, they beat them in, on a wet track down in like down in Sydney at Lake. Yeah, you so, know what? They did. They really, really did. Anyway, I just don't rate the Rebels very highly. Um, <laughs> Which we'll get into <laughs> in the next game. Well, why don't we head into that now then? All right. So the second game for the weekend was the Rebels versus the Waratahs. Now the Waratahs were hoping to beat the Rebels by a winning bonus point to be able to have a more secure um, control of their run into the finals. But unfortunately, they were not able to. So this was, um, as Mitch said, it was at Leichhardt. He went out to it with, I think, your family, wasn't it? Yeah, my dad and my brother. 
Yeah, awesome. So good, good boys, good boys evening. Boys um, day out. Yeah, it's good. Boys day out. It's lovely. So basically, this was a pretty significant game because if the Waratahs lost this, then obviously they are out of the finals contention. Um, now their destiny is out of their hands. What this means, and please correct me if I'm wrong, Mitch, but mm -hmm. what I believe this means is that if the Rebels beat the Force with a winning bonus point next week, then the Waratahs are out of the final series. Is that That's correct? That's correct, yes. Okay, cool. So really, we need the Force to um, step up and either win or deny the Rebels a winning. Now, the other thing, though, is, and I don't know if this is 100% correct, but if, if the Rebels win without a bonus point, I'm pretty sure they match us. So then it comes down to four and against, winning. which they actually have a better four and against than us. Really? Even after our win over the Reds? I believe so. All right, I had a quick look last night. So I need, we need to check that, but I believe so. So it could come down to that game, the score, the points scored in that game. It uh -huh, could cool. be the determinant as well. So it, it could, it, we, we could be needing our, to get our calculators out next Saturday to figure out who's gone through. <laughs> oh, mate, I dropped maths way too early at high school. So that will Well, yes, you're nice. not a math teacher. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not. No, I am not. So while you um, look into that, I'll go into our picks. Um, yeah, go for it. And we'll have, yeah, we'll see. So, Ando, you said Rebels by 10. You were on your own in that one. So props to you for that <laughs> ridiculous call. Um, I said Waratahs by five. Tim said Waratahs by seven. Mitch said Waratahs by three. And Carlos said Waratahs by eight. So the margin was six. So Tim That's said seven one. and I said five yeah. and Carlos said eight. Now, do we round down? Do we round up? I think you and your brother have to have a knife fight. A knife fight? Yep, yep, Ooh. a knife fight. Go for it. Monkey knife fight, but it's with no monkeys, so it's just knives. I think um, I'm going to propose a kid cat. Snap it in half <laughs> and get half each. You peacemaker. That's boring. <laughs> Could have sold tickets to it. Um, well, this game was a pretty entertaining Oh, we didn't game. say the final score. The final score was 38 to 32. The Waratahs won by six. Good, good. So um, overall, the Waratahs, in my mind, were the better team. I mean, obviously they won, so that says something. Um, but they seem to be playing with more confidence and um, combinations than they had previously. And I personally think that it's because of the selection of Moera at 12. I thought that was a really interesting choice by Penny. What was your read of his contribution? Because you were there at the game. Yeah, so this is a bit of an interesting point for me because I was watching him quite intently at the game. I didn't know what to expect from him. My brother's quite a league supporter. So he was excited that they had a leaguey back in the team, which we've had a few in the past. Um, I, at the game, I didn't rate him. I didn't think he was doing enough mm -hmm. as a, in the 12 jersey. But when I went back and watched the replay, I had a completely different opinion. So I think what he was doing was, and it wasn't obvious from being at the ground, being a fair distance away, but he was running as a, as a big ball carrier and breaking the line. So he was, yep. he was efficient at getting go forward ball and sort of bending the, the back line for the Waratahs. But he didn't have the he didn't have the impact that Carmichael Hunt has in redirecting the play, or um, sort of straightening it up, I guess, or or being able to. He I, I don't recall seeing him offloaded at all. It basically, was kind of like he's got the ball and he just ran. And he just took yeah. on, took on the contact. And I think that that was something the Waratahs need because what Hunt offers, like you mentioned, is he's got kicking, he's got distribution, organization, and he can straighten the line if. He he needs to so basically just take the ball up and generally get over that contact point um but moera doesn't have the all-round ball playing skills that hunt has but he is a bigger body he's probably a little bit i'm not sure if he's faster but he's basically i don't got i wouldn't say more he's momentum faster, behind he's, him he is a big boy when you yeah, see him in person massive. he could be packing down at number eight and you wouldn't think twice about it yeah and so what that kind of enabled was the Waratahs to have somebody that they could turn to when they needed to have more directness in their play. And one of the things I've noticed a couple of times is that they would use Moera to crash up and then make sure they got a really quick recycle and then keep the ball going that same direction before the Rebels um, players had time to fold around defensively, around a ruck. Yep. And so we haven't really had somebody that is a really strong runner like that since maybe Rob Horn, 
in the outside backs. If you're um, thinking of, oh, we had Tunkeli Naravoro probably two years yeah, ago. We lost him. He was more of a finisher though, wasn't he? Like he'd stay up. But, oh, no, but that he, was, did, he did I come mean, in. Yeah. That was his. That was his play though, and that ended up unfortunately being the Waratahs' go-to. Was they just spread yep. it wide and he'd run over everyone. Mm. Mm. I wonder if we're going to see Mawera move out to 13 eventually and not stay at 12. I wonder if this is a stopgap measure because Hunt's injured. Now, there is talks. I, I don't know what we're going to see. I can't, I'm not too sure if he's signed a more than a year's deal. Like, I don't know if he's off contract now. I can't, I don't remember. Sure. So I, I don't know what it. will happen. And if we don't end up making it through, we might not see him play again. But from what I understand, there's talks that he does have the ability to offload and distribute the ball a bit more. He just hasn't got the um, he hasn't got rugby union back completely in his head yet. So from what I, I read an article today that was saying the reason we haven't seen him play yet is because he wasn't running good lines. Um, oh really? Okay. In, in training, he sort of he just too, still stuck in the league format. So what this article that I read was saying, and that this was by Christy Doran, was that he actually does have the ability to be that ball distributor because he played that at Australian schools. He just okay. needs a little bit more confidence playing, playing in, in top-tier rugby, and that might start to develop. Now, if that is the case, that's exciting. Yeah, that really is. And, I mean, maybe he'll be learning really closely from Carmichael Hunt because I see Hunt taking on more of a leadership role and not, not like, like almost like a player-coach kind of thing. Yep. Somebody who is still playing, but his main role is to be there to guide and influence the youth or the in experienced people around him um but turning back to the game for a moment i just want to highlight the really i guess in a way shocking improvement of jack dempsey over the last few Uh weeks he um he was absent in the first part of the season um he wasn't picked a couple of times he really lacked any incisiveness with his play but for the last two three weeks he has been a man possessed and has played with a level of confidence and abrasiveness but also that level of skill that he brings he's greater offloads he's got really good footwork and mobility and i'm really excited to see him back into a decent run of form yeah he had some good runs off the back of the scrum in this game and i think that's what we've probably been lacking in the last from him that we just haven't seen him have that confidence to take the line on or the waratahs just were choosing not to sort of crash it up off the back of scrum i don't know but yeah, that that was one thing that I noticed. And he did score a good try early in the first half um, off a good pick and drive. So that was good to see. But yeah, I mean, I'm happy with him. What what was the go with um with Ned Hannigan? Now at the game, I thought he played okay, but I've seen some stuff talked about on Twitter and things that he had a, he wasn't playing well. I didn't see it being that bad. I mean, I I'm a bit of a Hannigan like I rate him whilst other people just crap all over him. Yeah. Um, Seems to be this stigma going around that Hannigan's not a, he's not doing what he needs to be doing, but I don't know what that is because to me he is. Yeah. He's playing in tight as a lock. He's taking the hard yards, doing a lot of defensive work, pretty good in the line out too. Um, So overall, yeah, I've been, I, I thought he played well. I didn't see him as a weakness at all. Um, I'm pretty sure his yellow card was a team yellow card. Wasn't yeah, it? that's. I believe so. I that's what I thought, yeah. but I couldn't hear the referee where I was. So yeah, yeah, true. Um, look, there are a couple of big points in this game that are worthy of us commenting on. So I'm before we, just, gonna... just before we move quickly into those points, was there anyone that Ooh. impressed you overly from the the Rebels side? Matty Tamua. Matty yep. Tamua was fantastic. Um, his his. Uh, confidence his composure to kick that penalty in the last few minutes of the game to to narrow the gap and to try and set up an opportunity for the um for the rebels to go and get another try to seal the game he he's up there he'll be in the world wallabies no matter what oh for um, the sure question is if he's playing 10 or 12 and i would suggest 12 um with o'connor at 10 and it's a good thing to to realize as well that he was captain this week the of the game and he captained the team really well. So mm. I think that's that he could potentially, but if we don't go down the Hooper captain side uh, route, I would say that he's probably the next person that I'd be thinking of giving the captaincy to. Yeah. Even if you have him as a vice captain for this, um, whatever. Yeah, exactly. International yeah. games we're going to have. Have him 
as vice. And then when Hooper goes overseas, I know that he's coming back for the international season, but maybe Tumula steps up as captain for those games because Hooper won't be in Australia in yeah, the build Yeah, exactly. Who knows? But it's good to it's good to have that option. Now I was quite impressed with um with Corabetti, as I've yep. always he's as always, always plays well. Every game. Yep. He runs it so hard. He kicked it a few times, which I thought was quite funny. I don't think we've seen him kick <laughs> they too weren't much. Particularly good. No, they but he was in the, it downfield. But... He was in the position, so he took the kick. Good on him. Um Izzy Nicerani played well, scored scored some good tries. He's he's a big ball runner, and I think he's probably the in-form number eight at the moment. And I yeah, would be yeah. surprised if he's not starting come Wallabies time. But that again, that goes down to what back three that um, they want to go with. But mm. one, two, two players that I was particularly unimpressed with was Andrew Kellaway and Andrew Deegan. Yeah, agreed on both. Now Kellaway was, has been pretty rubbish in Super Rugby AU. In Super Rugby, yeah, he he has, and we were we were talking big things about him at the start of the super rugby competition at the beginning of the year, he was scoring some really good tries and it's just fallen away. And I don't know if that's because he's not getting the support of the back line as much, because one thing I have noticed is that Corabetti goes looking for the ball. Mm. So he comes off his wing a lot and pops up in the middle of the field, but Kellaway doesn't do that. Kellaway is, I think more of that defensive player. So he's often marking the the back line to stop the 50, 22. Yeah, because he can kick. He's got a decent kicking game. Yeah. But one thing I did notice this week, and twice it happened, was one, lack, one was lack of communication, but they were just kicking really poorly from within their, their um, red zone. So we were sitting right behind the corner post of the Rebels in the first half, so where the Waratahs were scoring in the first half. We were right there. And there was two times where the ball got kicked through to them and they were probably 10, 15 meters away from where we were sitting. Andrew Deegan and Andrew Kellaway, there was no communication between either of them that the ball was coming, that they were there in support. One of the guys caught the ball and he just threw it back. The first one was just stupid that Andrew Kellaway caught the ball outside the 22, passed it back to Deegan, didn't say anything about being out of the 22 and he kicked it out on the full. And so then it comes back and it's, that's just, basic errors yeah yeah i think also there um i wonder if for Kellaway a part of it is the fact that he's going overseas at the end of the season again um and i just wonder if there's a little bit of mental checking out at this point you would hope not for a professional player and maybe i'm completely wrong and have no idea what i'm talking about but yeah i just there's there's been a significant drop off of form and it seems to have coincided with news that he's going overseas. So I'm just drawing those connections between. Um, now, one of the players that really impressed me from the Rebels was um, Hodge. He has actually been playing at 15. And surprise, surprise, he's playing well now that he's actually in his best position on the field. <laughs> um, so his boot is incredible. The amount of meters that the Rebels are able to get off free yeah. kicks is, or penalties is just incredible. Yeah. yeah. Um, and his in-hand kicking game has been pretty strong. He is pretty good defensively. I think the Rebels have a pretty hard choice between him and Dane Halepetti. I mean, Halepetti should be coming back in as the captain, but I just don't think you play Hodge anywhere else. He either is the utility back that comes on um, later on in the game, or, yeah, I don't think he should be starting for the Rebels if he's not starting at 15. Yeah, I'd agree with that, yeah. I think it's a point of his career where he just needs to make a choice. Um, and maybe for him, he might get lucky and Dane Hale at Petty might well go overseas on a sabbatical next year. And if that is the case, then he has that 15 jersey for next season. And I think it'll be the best thing that could happen for his career. Well, does he not have a sabbatical option? I don't think so. No, I don't think he's in the same category payment-wise as Tamua and Hodge. He's never, as Tamua and um, Hale at Petty. He's How never mentioned Petty? in the same... How is Hale Petty above Hodge though? He's he's like they're if yeah, anything they're on par. Like any if anything form wise they'd be on par. But yeah. well, maybe. But all I'm saying is in no news yeah, articles. Yeah, yeah. No, has I agree what you're Hodge saying. Ever been mentioned? Yeah, um, I agree with you saying. I just think it's a bit interesting form wise because I wouldn't say either of them stands out more than the other. If anything, Hodge is probably a little bit more adaptable because he can kick and he can kick well mm-hmm. from far. So you would probably want to start him over Hale Petty. But anyway. Anyway, anyway, um, so actually 
going jumping back to the game again, um, I just want to point out that Will Harrison had a perfect kicking game. Again, um, again, I think I think it'd be good to just say that because I like to say that. <laughs> yeah, no, like this um, is the third, probably his third game. I mean, last week he missed one, but before that, the exception approves the rule. I'm pretty sure that's what it's called. But before that, I think it was three in a row that he hadn't missed a kick. Yeah, it's it's brilliant. Now there there are two there are a couple of things I want to talk about. And he got um, his first meat pie as well. Good on yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, he did. He did for off Hooper's charge down, which is fantastic. Um, and so, oh, Joey Walton got his first try as well. Again, off. He was so excited. I I didn't he, realize he was, it was his first, but he was so excited when he got it. It's like, oh, it's <laughs> got to be his first one. He did well. Yeah, it was great. So great line from Hooper, but Walton tracked him really well and just stayed off his shoulder ready for the offload. It was brilliant. Um, the two points, one of them involves Angus Gardner. So I would like us to officially play the X-Files conspiracy music here um, and then drop this across now to you to talk about. Go. Oh, thanks for throwing me in the deep end. But um, no. <laughs> I know you wanted to talk about I, this. I do want to talk about this. I just... I don't know what's happening with Angus Gardner. He's just gone off the boil lately. His performances in refereeing have really been questionable, particularly against the Waratahs. Um, the last, this whole Super Rugby AU. Now we've spoken about it before on the pod that we feel like he's got some kind of agenda, or he just doesn't want the Waratahs to succeed. But there was don't say we, thank you. Say you. Oh, you're th- <laughs> I thought you were of the same opinion. Oh, uh, look, I just don't think he's been refing particularly well. I just don't think he has a Waratah's agenda. Okay. 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 Anyway, All keep right. going. The point in case in this game was the try that Izzy Nicerani scored in the 70th minute. Now, this try lost the Waratah's the bonus point. So if we didn't, if they didn't award this try, we would have been qualified as third. The Rebels wouldn't have had a chance of catching back up to us. But what happens is they have a scrum. Um, they go to the right. It comes back to the left. Billy Meeks gets the ball. Now he runs towards the touchline and gets tackled. And what ends up happening is he falls to the side. He lands on the ground and his hand touches and he puts his hand down on the, on the touchline. And then he offloads in, into, the, into the field and it keeps playing on. And then Izzy Nicerani scores about two breakdowns later. But Angus Gardner is standing right there and doesn't say yep. anything. Yep. And... They send it to the TMO, and again, he doesn't say anything. He doesn't even think we should probably check that. Like, he's just in his mind, he's like, it's clear, it's fine. Now, how can he be so, so sure that it's not, he's not in touch to not say anything and then be wrong? It just doesn't make any sense uh, to me. I was. Rod Kafer um, in the commentary was like, oh, yeah, I think, because when, when, when it got shown the the fact that Meeks had his arm like his shoulder was definitely on on out mm. and I think it was Kafer um or so, who one of the commentators basically said oh Gardner had his view blocked there and if you check out my Twitter um or I'll put it up on the pick and drive Twitter as well I, I took a screenshot a screen grab of the feed exactly when the pass is made. And there is absolutely nobody between Meeks and Gardner. Gardner has a perfect view of where Meeks's body is. And like, it, it is undoubtedly a mistake. I just, oh, it's just shocking. It's, I can't believe that that didn't even just get sent up just to check. She could have gone on field decision, try, but let's just check it anyway, just to be sure. Um, and there's a lot to be said for trying to avoid going to the TMO, but when it's as blatant as that, it's very, very hard. And and the fact is that it, what it means as well, like the fact is the Waratahs now may not make the finals because of it. It's just, and it's frustrating that it's wrong in the first instance. But the other instance, the other issue that I have, and Rob Penny, have you said the same thing in the press conference? And I, have you watched that? Do you know what I'm talking no, about? No, no, I didn't watch it. Is the communication that the referees use when they're sending things to the TMO. Now, Rob Penny hinted at it and he basically said what he thought, but then he had realized he kind of caught himself and pulled himself back in. Um, but if you go back and watch it, so when the Waratahs score tries, they send it to the TMO for whatever reason. And they say, I don't believe it's a try. I want you to check this, this, and this. Mm-hmm. So then the TMO is looking for a reason not to award the try and in most cases finds something and doesn't award it. Now, when he's sending the Rebels things upstairs, he's saying, it's a try. I just need you to check touch. And yep. 
So the TMO checks touch and goes, okay, yep, that's not a try. I mean, that's a try. It's not in touch and they award it. Now, if he had done that to two of the war of the rebels tries. Now the, the first one being the try we just spoke about, if he said, um, I think it's a try, but just need to check going into it to see if there's anything wrong. And the TMO looks at everything. He would find that the, what the rebels play is out. And this, the other try that Cora Betty scored earlier on, if he did the same thing and sent it upstairs, he would have seen that Joey Walton got taken out off the ball by Billy Meeks and then Tamua yep. runs straight yep. through that hole. 100%. Now, they, that would not have been a try. But the fact is the referee either didn't send it up or said, check the grounding. So he's just checked the grounding. And that's the difference. And it's the communication there because by, by saying check everything, you give the TMO permission to go back however many plays to see if he can find anything to not award the try. When you give him yeah. that instruction yeah. to check the one thing, he doesn't look at anything else. And that's what's frustrating in that the Waratahs, they will always ask to check everything. Now, the really interesting thing about this point, and I don't inherently disagree with anything that you're saying, but only moments after that try was given, a huge controversial point was uh, occurred where Izinos Rani is carrying the ball up and um, Lockie Swinton goes in for a pretty big tackle, but there's absolutely no arms yep. in it. And um, his shoulder collides with Nasrani's head. It's only about four or five minutes left in the game at this point. And um, Nasrani ends up having to go off. And the referee even checks it and thinks that there was nothing wrong with it. Um, But when you look at it back and you have multiple angles to see, you see that it is a... If this was in the the World Cup, direct contact to the head, no attempt to wrap the arm, it's a red card. He's out. We saw much worse Um, in the World Cup get reds. Yeah, correct. And so it's just, it's fascinating to me that Swinton didn't get sent off. I think he, I think he deserved to, and he's probably going to get cited and he's probably going to miss the next game um, is, is my read on how that is going to play out because it deserved to be a red card offense in my mind. I mean, I I don't, I don't know if they are doing sightings. I haven't seen any this season so far, and there has been one or two incidences that are similar to this. Um, yeah, I just, I just don't know. I don't know if they're doing that for this Super Rugby AU. And I, they might be thinking the Waratahs aren't going to make it, so they're not going to bother. Who knows? <laughs> but yeah, I do agree with you. Um, it, is, it is weird. Um, but look, I, me personally tends to think that that might be because the referees are under the guidance to make a call. Let's just make a call. And he mm. took the gut feel of it's, it's okay because he didn't send it to the TMO. So... Mm. He would only send it to the TMO if he wasn't 100% sure that it, um, it was okay sort of thing. Um, the fact that he didn't send it up there means that he thought that it was okay. He was yep. wrong, but he made, the, he made a gut call. So that's fine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, it just balances things out. So when we're talking about the issues with the um, non-call of Meeks being out, then, well, at least Swinton didn't, didn't get recorded. So... So it comes and it goes. I mean, but, look, well, you've got to say this is his second. On. This is his second Super Rugby game ever. So he did. He did well. Yeah, good point. I thought actually. he did well. I thought yeah. he did quite well. Yeah. He's got Gardner on the sideline who doesn't help. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I just, I, I really, really liked Angus Gardner a few years leading into this year. I was always really impressed with his performance, but I just don't know what it is, and I just feel like he has. I don't want to say he's got an inflated ego or anything like that, but I just feel like he is the most experienced Australian referee at the moment. So he's taken on this kind of um, grandfather role in that he's trying to inter, to make, put himself into other ref, younger referees' games to sort of guide them. I just don't think he needs to do that. Mm. I'll have to keep an eye out on to see how the refing goes in the next couple of games. But... Either way, mate, I think we've been chatting for a long time. Do you have any comments you want to make before we wrap up our conversation about this game? I just quickly wanted to say one thing that I noticed at the game, and that's around leadership for the Waratahs. Now, we have spoken about this in the past, and we were surprised as anyone when Rob Simmons was announced as captain earlier this year. And I don't necessarily think he's been the best captain this year, but I have noticed in the last game or two, and particularly at the game on the weekend when I was there, that he is on autopilot. Now, I can't say 
because I because I did I haven't I've watched bits and pieces of the the highlights, but I just wasn't watching the game on the screen. You don't see as much when you're at the game. Mm-hmm. I don't know how he played this week. He was okay. He never really stands out, so I wouldn't say he had a an amazing game, but he was not captaining that side at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we were right it's, behind the Waratahs um, in goal in the second half. Twice when the Waratah, when the Rebels scored tries, they came, they came in, they huddled right in front of us. And I was like, yes, this is perfect. I can hear what they're saying. Simmons said nothing. He didn't address the team once. We had um, Newsom said a few things and then Hooper stepped up and said something. And Hooper is a natural leader. And anyone that says he's not a good captain, I just don't. I just completely disregard that because when, even when he's not captain, he leads the team. So when they scored the try, the first thing, and he was yelling at the top of his voice to the Waratahs, he said, boys, we need to put pressure on this kick and we need to get back up there and score. They put pressure on the kick. They went up there. They scored a try. They got back the second time. The, War- the Rebels scored again. He was saying, he wasn't saying we need to score more points because there wasn't enough time left, but he just said, we need to put pressure on this kick. Everyone chasing as hard as you can. And they chased it down and Matt Tamur missed the kick. And that ended up being quite influential in the end of the game. And so the, the point is that he's the only one that's there geeing the guys up and still getting in and revving them up. Simmons says nothing. And even at the end of the game, when they interviewed him and they said, oh, you know, you're off to, um, to London Irish next year. Um, all the best with that. He goes, yep, well, I've got to chase the money and then turn around and left. <laughs> Did he actually? That's what he said to the commentators. <laughs> Jeez. Well, um, I think what we're seeing there is the experience that Hooper brings to it. And also the fact that he, that maybe that's a part of explaining the Reds turnaround because the Reds game was when... Um, Hooper captained. When Hooper captained. It was his yeah. first game as captain this season. And I just wonder if there's an extra air he brings. Um, he was saying in some of the interviews that, he, that he's done with um, Rugby Nation, uh, actually, no, with George Gregan on rugby.com.au. Yeah. How he was talking about in the preseason, he got paired up with a bunch of the younger guys. He didn't mention specifically who, um, but in the little kind of groups that they did their training with as they were following a return to training, well, return to play protocols. And he said that it just seemed to, that it, it really invigorated him, gave him a good kind of level of energy and excitement and enthusiasm. And I just wonder if he is in turn putting in place some of those disciplinary expectations in the way that players play, they prepare, they train, etc. And so people are just looking up to him again and again and again. And this is just yeah, a, definitely. what you've, what you've picked up on is realistically, he doesn't have the C next to his name, but he's, he's the captain. That's right. And that's the other thing too, is he came out and said that he didn't want to be the captain because he wanted to focus on his game. He wanted to sort of un, uh, take that, that uh, expectation and load off but he's still leading the team. So, and, and what you said there is exactly right, that he's spoken back to these guys and he's reinvigorated his love for the game and, and wants to lead these guys again. And I, I do think um, earlier in the year, some of the first games, Hooper was doing his own thing and he wasn't leading as much, but he's now just, he's basically the spiritual leader of this team, I feel like. He's the one that's yeah. pushing them so hard all the time. Yep. Well, mate, I think we need to wrap it up there yep. for the games. Why don't we move straight into our predictions Let's then do it. for next week? So yeah. do you want to run through this? Yeah, so game one next week, we have the Rebels hosting the Force. Now, both of these games will be played on Saturday, so this will be kicking off at 3 p.m. It's being played in Newcastle. It's a, four, it's a, sorry, it's a Rebels home game, but it's basically a neutral game for both sides, so we could go either way. I don't predict there being much of a crowd there for this, since the Waratahs aren't playing. Um, even when the Waratahs play there, they can't seem to get a crowd. So I don't expect much of an atmosphere. But this is a big game for the Rebels. So if they can win with a bonus point, they make the finals for the first time in the club's history. That's definitely what they're going to be doing. But on this flip side, the Western Force are hungry to secure their first win of 2020. They want to beat the Rebels because they're the ones that stayed in the competition. And the last time they met, it went to Golden Point. So it really could go either way. Yeah. I would be hoping, obviously, for a force win. 
here or at least a close match. I think there's, again, going to be a huge amount of pride that the Force are going to bring into this. But realistically, I think the Rebels are going to be too good, especially if they have their top Wallabies players like Tamua um, and Nasrani and Korobeti being the ones guiding them around the pitch and just kind of setting the standard of play that the rest of the team emulates. Yep. So for me, I'm going to pick Rebels by 10. 10, Okay. Look, I'm going to go with my gut here and my heart. I want the Force to win, and I really do think they put in a really good performance. Dave Vessel said in the... Oh, no. Dave, Rob Penny said in the post-match conference that Vessel said to him... <laughs> that's a little bit yeah, of a... I get it. I got he it. said to I got him it. that yep. the Western Force hate the Rebels Ooh, and that they right. want to smash them next week. So I just think that this is... This is it for the force. They needed. Everyone said that they had a win in them. This is the game that they need to win. And I think this is the game they're going to win. So I'm going force by three. Excellent. Okay. Well, let's head to the second game. The second Reds game the is Brumbies. potentially the grand final of the competition. And if, um, yeah, it could potentially be the grand final. So this sees the Reds host the Brumbies in Suncorp Stadium in Brisbane. Who are you going for, Andrew? I'm going to Reds, mate. I reckon yeah? the Reds have it in them. Yep. I'm going Reds by seven. Seven. Okay. Look, I don't see anyone getting past the Brumbies at the moment. They're just on a roll. And they're just going to roll from this game straight into the finals. So I think the Brumbies are going to do it by 10. Yeah, okay. I just want the Reds to win badly. So maybe I should have tipped the Brumbies and then the Reds will win. Do that thing you did this week where you like pick one and <laughs> if they win, you get the pride of that. But... If the war- well, that's uh, what I did with the Waratahs, mate. You're saying, oh, you chose the Rebels. I went, mate, I did it for the team. I did it for <laughs> us. <laughs> so you're the reason we won. Okay. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely it. And that's yeah, why yeah. I've chosen the Rebels to win as well. Yeah. So you're wrong. I hope you're wrong. <laughs> well, uh, who did you say? You said Brumbies by... Ten. Supported by ten. Great. Ten. Cool, mate. Well, this has been fun. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in and staying with, with us until this point in the uh, pod. In the pod. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to next weekend's game and can't wait to just... Uh, you must be loving the opportunity to sit on the couch and watch three games back-to-back. I'm hoping I get to do it. Fingers crossed that it happens. We'll see. Book it we in. shall see. Book it in. Yeah. Put I'll it in the calendar. In. Yep. I'll reserve that spot. All right, mate. <laughs> well this has been fun but i think it's time for us to go to bed that sounds good and um all the best and see you soon thank you everybody have a wonderful week thanks for listening everyone we'll catch you next week bye, bye. thank you for listening to this week's episode of pick and drive rugby podcast you can follow us on social media at the following outlets follow our facebook page at pick and drive rugby podcast send us a tweet at at pick underscore drive rugby. Follow our Instagram at pick underscore drive underscore rugby or send us an email at pickanddriverugby at gmail.com. We'd love to hear any questions or feedback you may have, so get in touch. Thanks again for listening and we'll catch you next week.